Would you please with me think about for just a few minutes a thought? Think about your family and think about how well it's going in your family. Think about what I call the family team. If we were doing a study of your family, would we say your family is healthy or would we say your family is not healthy? Would we say your family is on target or would we say your family is confused? What would we say? If we took a close look at your family, if we said, let me analyze this family. Let me see what this family looks like. Let me see if this family is, is committed to each other or are they divided? At the bottom of your sermon notes, if you flip the page over, there is a review of what we did last week. I put them at the bottom this time because I wanted to, I wanted to separate the way it looked, and I just needed to separate them. So I, that's the safest place to put them was at the bottom. Last time we ended this discussion with two major observations. In order for you to help your family team do better, which is what I want you to think about today, I said you have to face two mistakes we've made. One of them is rooted in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. We have given away the responsibility of managing our family to churches, communities, leaders, celebrities, and other folks. It's somebody else's job. And so we get angry when the government doesn't do a good job. We hire a mayor. We, we hire a governor. We hire people that we think we can delegate away responsibility to and say your job is to make me safe your job it's your job it's not my job I send the kids to school and it's your job to help them learn to read it's not my job because even though I'm the daddy it's your job and I said that's a mistake and I talked about the importance of if you're going to help the family team the importance of understanding your job description can you say job description there are some things that are in your job description. For example, one of our job descriptions here is make you cold. Anybody cold raging here? <laughs> That's part of our job description, is to freeze you out every Sunday. So when you come in here, you can just sit there and say, ooh, it's cold, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray that one of the staff people I pay will go to that, fix that. Come on, say in Jesus' name, one of these staff people he pays will go to that mission. All right, Mr. All right. I ain't worried about it no more. All right, they'll fix it. Part of the challenge, <laughs> part of the challenge is knowing what your job description is and being clear that your job description affects what you do every day. If, if you think it's not my job, if you think it's your job, then you'll do it. We have given away that job to someone else, and we get angry. I'm not saying they shouldn't contribute. They are supplements. They are supplements. They are not the main ones. You have your kids more hours. You have a greater impact on them. The atmosphere you create for education, for learning. Your kids can't have a great education and do no homework. Your kids can't possibly have a good attitude if you cuss them out at the house and you wonder why they cuss the teacher out at, at school because you cuss them out at home. What did I tell you, blank, blank? I will slap you up your blank, blank. Tell me again. Say it to me. I am your daddy. They go to school, tell the teacher, I'll slap you. Yeah. And then you confuse. You go down and look. I don't know where they got that from. Liar, liar, <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. You, know, you heard that before? <laughs> they have your spirit. 
So I said to you last time, I said, part of the problem is that we have delegated our job description away. We've made it somebody else's job. And second thing that we've done that's really dangerous to me is that we've not only delegated it away, but we have also made it somehow, we created this what I call expensive model that's really hard to maintain. And I want to say that I, I, I get what we do here at the church, but this is an expensive model. I don't have a problem with it, you know, but several million dollars a year it really is. You know, you have staff people, you have, you'd be surprised. It's a lot to make it all work. It's a lot. And just, just to have people full-time. And that, that changes the game. When you don't have a full-time team, then, you know, you know how busy you are. I can't get you to come, but how many hours a week? Thank you. So that, because you're so busy, you're laughing now. You're, oh, yeah, I can't come, but <laughs> I barely get here every twice a month, Pastor Rick. I know I can't come every day, every week. Cut the grass. I can get the team. You. We can save a lot of money if I can let you just cut the Bring your lawnmowers on cut the grass day. We just have 22 acres. Let you just come cut the grass. See, notice how you say, no, I can't cut the grass now. <laughs> this model is expensive enough. We have 3,400 active members here. That's not a made-up number. That's true. That's not on the books. That's a real active membership. We have um, about 1,000 of you will be here this weekend. There have been 1,000 or so online, and a couple of thousand come online, come online on demand and watch. So we, we touch thousands of people a week. And, and here's what's interesting. That's not cheap. But here's what that is, a supplement. I, I can't take your place. And so what churches do is they feel it's their job description, so they build bigger and bigger and build bigger and bigger stuff. And, and we are going to have to, if we are good students, build another place. And we're going to all move out of this building and move over to that place and let the kids have this. All in favor of that, say aye. aye. Raise your hand if all in, all in favor, say aye. aye. Okay, that means you're going to give. Amen? We're going to all get out of here. We got to. We, we do. I mean, I think for the long-term survivability. But when you do that, you have to understand what your limit is. And, and, and the economy and a number of factors, which I'll teach on another day, has taught me some valuable lessons about how big that should be and how big it shouldn't be. We almost built something too big. So now I think we're in line. The, the digital age and all these folks at home right now watching is a blessing because you get to have this ability to touch people. But we need to touch them in a more direct way. You need to make sure that when you're watching at home, it is um, as good as being here, at least as close as I can get it. But I do want you to keep coming. Tell your neighbors, you need to still keep coming. Come on, keep coming. Now. There's, and I'll talk about this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about the power of being present. There's one of our sermons. We'll talk about that. There's the home team. Imagine if you had a streaming family. Nobody ever went to the house. Everybody... <laughs> Everybody just streamed in. You just saw each other on devices. At some point, you need to connect. Can you touch your neighbor? Don't, don't hit them. Just touch them. Say, hello. Hello. There you go. That's all. That's, that's enough. Some of, you, some of you say, I can't take that. That's enough now. Don't touch me. There's something about realizing that you can create a model that's too expensive. I'm not saying we shouldn't build more. We will. But we need to always be aware that we're not trying to take over Disney World's responsibility. We're not trying to take over the Aquatic Center's responsibility. We don't need their job description. And sometimes I think we 
lose sight of what we're supposed to do. That, to me, is part of what God has helped me see over the years. I've grown. Come on, say, what is is your job description? description. That's the first thing we talked about last week. Today, I want to take it a step further. And I want to have a courageous conversation with you about how you can change your life with a simple word. Everybody say the word plan. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to plan to stay in your job description. That's what we talked about last week. This week, I want you to plan to be united and not divided. Division is the one thing that can mess up everything. You have to decide we're not going to, we're not going to lose sight of our job description, and we're not going to lose sight of the importance of unity. We must, at all costs, avoid being divided. At all costs. Your family is at risk. Until you sit down and come up with a courageous plan to better the family team, and that plan has to have two things in it so far in our study. I want to say it again. You have to have a clear sense of your job description, what you do and don't do what you're responsible for or what you're not responsible for. And secondly, you have to have a clear, clear vision that we must at all costs unite. We cannot be divided. If we are divided, Jesus made a prophetic statement that is profound. And I want to read two verses to you, one verse in particular, Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Those words come from the mouth of Jesus. In your Bible, it's in red letters. Jesus said, if you want to know your future, look at the way you get along. If you are divided, whether you be a home, a kingdom, a country, a community, it doesn't matter. The little fights you have you think don't matter? They do. It's called wear and tear. And over time, it erodes a good relationship. It erodes a good friendship. It erodes a good church. Over time, it just melts. Everything around you starts to fall apart. Every single thing that you've built and dreamed of falls apart. Don and I have to work really, really hard to not be divided. We have so many areas we can divide over. We can get divided over kids, grandkids. We can get one, but you can get divided over that too. You can get divided over, over a meal, where to eat. It's funny. When you don't have any money, you get divided over being broke. <laughs> and when you get money, guess what you get divided over? You, money. Where are we going to go? You, when you can't go on vacation, you get divided because you can't go on vacation. And when you get money and you can go anywhere you want to go, guess what you fight over? Where are we going to go? And then when you get to where you want to go, you dream to get there, then you fight over what we're going to do. You must have been in this fight before. (laughs) It's amazing. You fight over the kids you prayed for. You fight over the school. It's amazing. You fight over the car you're going to drive. Who's going to drive it? It, it, it's, It's just one big fight. And here's what Jesus said. Listen to me. Jesus said this. Your house, because it's divided, will not stand. That's from the mouth of Jesus. 
If I want to give you a reason to stop all this fighting, the words of Jesus, because your house is divided, your house will not stand. Your, your, your job, your career, your business, your company. I went to a place one time to order some food. It was so funny. It's a family business. And, uh, you know, and family just treats each other bad sometimes. It's awful. So I ordered the food, and I was waiting to pay for the food. Did you get what Pastor Rick ordered back there? Don't yell at me. I'm going to get what Pastor Rick ordered. And they started fighting, fussing, and yelling at each other. I thought, I don't want anything. I don't want to eat. <laughs> Just let it go. Just chew. Time out. I lost my appetite. I mean, they were going at it over me. <laughs> I didn't go back. <laughs> your family needs to avoid being divided, and your family needs to be truthful. I want you to have a moment here where you're honest and truthful. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 is one of the verses I just love because it says this. We should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. We shouldn't be children who are tricked easily. That's what it basically says. Verse 15 of chapter 4, Ephesians says, Speaking the, read it with me, please, come on. Speaking the truth in love. Here's why, that you may grow. It's all about telling the truth. Now, I want you to look at me, and I want you to hear what I just said. Here's the truth. If your family is divided, it will not stand. If you do not stop this, there's nothing I can do. There's no counsel, no words, no advice I can give you. you it will fall apart. And there are people in here that can testify. There are people in here that can tell you, I was married and we got into these constant things. And for reasons I cannot explain, one day he said, she said, we said, it's over. Some of you made it back, but most don't. How do I know? I've been here a long time. When I see division, I get concerned. I understand it. I see pastors divided from their deacons, deacons divided from the pastor, choir. I see all that. I've seen it all. I, I counsel people all the time, and, I, and I'm telling you, the end result is always the same, tragedy. And then you spend your life regretting it, saying you wish you could go back. But what you learn in life as you age is some trains don't come back around. And it is a painful reality. I've heard it over and over and over again. A woman once told me a story that has always touched me. She said, I had a good man. And she said, I, I didn't know how to treat him. But next time I'll be better at it. I've had men tell me that. I've had men tell me, see if you can talk to her. So what do you want me to say? You told her, I will beat you to death. You want me to go fix that? <laughs> she believes you. <laughs> Why would I go and tell her, he's not going to beat you to death? I mean, really? Do I know that he's not going to beat you to death? 
You say things, you do things, you act in ways, and what's really tragic is, I always say this, if you're praying for your church to grow, and you're asking God to bless this church, point this way, say that, say, Lord, bless the church. Come on, say in Jesus' name. name. Prosper this church. church. Bring peace to this church. church. Now, here's the question. The question is, is the answer to that prayer, I have to go? I think sometimes God says, you really want me to answer that? You're praying for God to bless this business? Well, you can't work here. They can't have employees like you, late, and attitudes, and stealing pens. <laughs> they can't have people like you if they want to th- grow forward in life, talking down to supervisors. And, I mean, how, how, could, how could the dream, Diane's dream, she came to me with dreams, is the answer to her dream. Ricky has to go. He is a God who answers prayer. And the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. What if the answer to that prayer? Got to get rid of him. He sleeps with all the women. His eyes always roaming around somewhere. Can't trust him. You do know this is the illustration. I don't need anybody saying, oh, he was confessing up there. Was, <laughs> something came on him, no way ain't nothing on me. <laughs> Got to get this stuff right these days. Jesus. I don't think, I don't think we want our prayers answered. I, I, I don't think we really mean it. Because when you really, really mean it, what happens is things, things look different to you. When you really mean it. When you really, really mean it. When you really, really mean it. I told God I wanted him to prosper me. I told God I wanted to, to communicate his word effectively. That meant then um, you got to go to school. Sorry. Where's the Bible? Bible. Bring, bring me a Bible. Bring me a book. I need a book. Bring it on over here, Bible college man. There you go. Thank you. You know, in, in school, in the library, that was the sound. Hour upon hour. Used to hear that sound. Used to joke about it in school. You want to just preach so people can see you? Or do you want to know your way around? I play a game. The game is where it falls, you talk about it. Bam. Let's see, do you know where you are? How well do you know your way around Nehemiah chapter 8? Can you talk about it? How bad are you for real? Is she a weapon? You're just talking. You're not willing to work that hard. You're not willing to give that much. You're not willing to sacrifice that much. 
You want God to pay you, you can't talk like that. That costs you to behave that way. It's expensive. I'm going to give you a little clue. I'm going to get you out the back. Man. You want to get paid? Stay cool. You want people to fly you places and pay for you and put you up in, in suites and treat you right and pay you a paycheck to make you go Jesus two times? <laughs> Be on time. Be early. Be prepared. You want people to call you from other countries and ask you to come and pay your way and bless you and do amazing. You want, you want that? Well, you can't have that if you're lazy. Because they're not praying for a lazy person to come. They're praying for somebody to come who's prepared, who's on time, and who's going to do a good job. That's why they pay you and put you in front of thousands of people. They're not going to embarrass themselves. So if you want God to bless you, raise your hand. Father, in Jesus' name, that means that we have to live like, talk like, act like. We want God's best. Come on, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Some parties you don't get invited to if you have certain attitudes. They won't promote you because they don't want you close to them. Whenever they don't promote you, I'd say, what was it that stopped me from being promoted? Don't get mad. Say, what was it? What was it? It's where you smack in the meetings. Always got a complaint in the meetings. Always got a point to make. I got a thing I want to say. I want to ask you a question. I don't like the way. See, that's why you're not getting promoted. We don't want you close to the fire. I'm not saying you don't speak truth to power. I'm saying that there is a, there is a, there's a danger when you allow divisive people and divisive attitudes to grow. Here's what, here's what good leaders know. Jesus said it. We're going to fail. Why are you confused that your children fight? You fight. You and your wife fight in front of them. Raise your voice. Create these, these environments that... That, that create this incredibly painful experience. I, I've, I've told God, I said, God, please help me. Not pastor a church where I'm always chasing down some issue. I was in a church, and I wasn't there before a few months. But in those six months, they almost wore me down. <laughs> we went from demon issues to family strife issues. Every week, we had five people. We didn't have but 80 people in the church. We, I'm not making this up. I wish I was. I'm in strife. I need counseling. So they, you have two people come in, and we would have to counsel them about strife. And, and, and eventually, the church fell apart. It was 200, 300. Then it went down to 80. And then it went down to 40. Then it went back up to 100. And it lives its life in this cycle of failure, all because of strife. I want you to hear how you deal with this. This, my friend, is the recipe for how you unite the family. Jesus said in, I'm sorry, Paul said in Ephesians 4, there are three things he said. Repeat them with me, please. Say, be mature, be, mature, be, informed, be informed, and be sensitive. be sensitive. Act like adults. Avoid acting like children. Be informed. Don't let people trick you. He warns them in chapter uh, 4, verse 14. He says that we no longer be children, tossed to and fro, listen to this now, carried about by every wind of doctrine, or, or, uh, by, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, if you're going to succeed at uniting, 
You can't be tricked so easily. There are times when I'm tempted to divide from Diane over an issue or even to divide from a leader or a pastor or in just a, a number of circumstances in my life. And I find myself saying, I'm not falling for that trick. How easy is it for you to be tricked? The way he words this, he says, be careful that you're not carried away by every wind of doctrine. The word doctrine means teaching. Do you realize that's not just theology? Sometimes you were trained in a way in your family culture. You slap me, I slap you. You cuss me, I do what? Cuss you. See, that, that's a doctrine. You were taught you can't say how you feel. You just get mad and, and puff up. Well, that's a doctrine you believe. And you can be carried away with that doctrine. You can create your own doctrine. There are a lot of men who have doctrines about women that are wrong. And they're trick. It's a trick. It's a trick. You know, a lot of times when I, I deal with um, older guys and younger guys and younger guys getting married, the younger guys will make statements, when I get married, I know one thing, she's going to have my food ready. <laughs> you know, we tell them that's a bad doctrine, boy. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Sometimes you might get it like that, but, you know, hey, if you're both working, it may not work quite like that. That's the doctrine you believe, and you carried away with that doctrine. And, and sometimes you have to back up and say, is that a mature doctrine? And sometimes you have to have someone speak the truth in love to you. They should be sensitive when they do it, but there are times someone has to say, come here. Let me, let me show you something about doctrine. I, I, I think it's hard for us. Churches have doctrines, not just theological doctrines. They have time doctrines. They keep you all day until <laughs> the Holy Spirit finishes moving. That's a doctrine. The pastor talks too long. Look, I'm timing myself. I'm going to be done in a minute because I know the deal. Your attention span is going to be over. They start checking out in about 10 minutes. It's over. <laughs> But some guys really believe that they should go as long as they want. I've had guys who came to speak for me here, and they said, hey, you know, Pastor Rick gives you a time limit. So I said, yeah, you got a time limit. You better believe it. You can't talk forever. Not, not, but I understand that. I under, I under, their doctrine is you, you stay until you feel better. And sometimes the problem is he feels bad, so he preaches longer. You ever been there before, right? He's, and he keeps going. Come on, work with me now. Oh, come on, help me now. I said, well, you the one got up there. Why are you up there? I didn't tell you to get up there. I didn't tell you to get up there. You could have sat down, man, with me. You know, you got you up there under pressure. I didn't tell you to get up there. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down with me here if you're that nervous. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love this final thought that Jesus gives in Matthew 25, because it says a word that's really helpful. It, it helps me understand, and it, it puts another level of awareness in my mind, and I'm done for the day almost when I say this. In Matthew 12, 25, Jesus says there's a danger of dividing the family team. Now, if you follow my thoughts here, okay, there's a recipe for uniting the family team, right? And that's got to be mature. You got to be informed. You got to be sensitive, right? And then there's a danger of dividing the family team. Here's the danger if you divide the family team, Matthew 20, 12, 25. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, read this out loud with him, please. Come on. Therefore, 
Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Stop right there. Every city, home, that's divided. Love, listen to how he said it. Against itself. Say that with me. Come on. Against itself. Will not stand. Stay on this road. That is going to be the end. I promise you. But here's, what, here's the word I want you to understand. The word desolation. If you look it up in the, in, in the Bible, the word basically means this. It means to isolate. It means to be in a wilderness-like experience. It means to have, I love the word, depopulate. It means like you, grow, you get smaller in number. Some families are depopulating. Fewer and fewer people. Families get smaller and smaller. The, the, the word means to lay waste. The word means to be destroyed. It means to dry up. So, for example, if you went to the family reunion, you looked at everybody and you said, do they look dried up? Do they look like someone has laid waste to them? Do they look destroyed? Do they look and sound like a wilderness? How did this happen? They're divided. Over what? Amazing stuff. Some things people really did to you. I get it. Some things really happened. I'm not playing down what happened to you. But here's the truth. This is not the road you want to stay on. Here's the way you, here's the way you, you, you fix that. And, and I'll talk more about this next week. The way, stay, the way to stay close to your family team, the way to mend this, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, and we'll pick up on this next week. You've got to forgive your team. That's the long and short of it. You've got to forgive your team. Your team's going to fail you. Diana's had to forgive me. I've had to forgive her. My kids have had to forgive me, and I've had to forgive them. My friends, my family. Peter asked the question, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? How about seven times? Peter kind of knew that the common number was three in that culture, so he doubles it and adds one. He says, I want to make sure I get this right. Jesus said something that was mind-blowing. I did not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven, 490 times. Okay. You mean you slapped me 490 times? Wait, 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 wait. You mean you steal my money 490 times? Okay, what, 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 do you, what do you mean? I don't know if I can forgive anybody who has offended me 490 times. Well, can I ask you a question? How many times have you offended God? 491 maybe? 479? Help me understand what number of times you have offended God. So you think it's supposed, you're supposed to get this endless forgiveness. And believe me, that's what Jesus was saying. He said you can't cap it. That's big thoughts. Does this mean that it's okay for people to abuse me? No. Here's what the Bible said, Romans 12, 19. This is so true. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do, the message Bible says. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Here's what I've learned living 
over the years. He's good at that. You remember the guys in high school? Remember people picked on you in high school? All the bullies? <laughs> Watch them over time. Watch them over time. Watch what happens to people who talk about how you look. They get ugly over time. <laughs> All of them. You see them, you be scared. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> how are you? You ever seen somebody and you don't want to say anything? You just go, okay. <laughs> You're the one who called me ugly, really? Hmm. Things have changed. <laughs> and then when, when you don't recognize them, they go, you don't recognize me? You want to go, no. Can't lie, I'm saved. What can I say? My eyes are bad. I need my glasses. I don't know. You make up something. You just try to work it out. God's good at getting people. I do believe in standing up for yourself. And, and you know, I believe in self-defense. I, I must use my security around. You know, you know I believe in <laughs> taking care of yourself. I'm not against that. I'm not saying it is not, it is not a call to abuse people. It's a call to say, You can't succeed as a family team if you don't let stuff go. If you live with this vengeance is mine, saith Ricky, culture, you will never succeed. It is not God's will for you. It is not God's will. It is not God's will for you to be lost in anger and frustration. It is not God's will for you to be lost. Some of you are lost in unforgiveness. Father, I pray today that as we get ready next week to, to deal with this whole issue of forgiveness, we want to have a courageous conversation about Letting things go. How to let it go. Today we come saying, help us unite. Help us, Lord God, find a way as a married couple to act like we really want to be together. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray. Would you look at me one, one final time? Some of you have a wrong perception. You think a, a job's going to make you unite. Children's going to make you unite. School's going to make you unite. A degree, a house, um, travel. I've got all that stuff. And we could be just as divided if not more. Sometimes division, not unity, is about a decision. I decide to be this kind of man. I've decided to not act that way. I've decided to not have that attitude. I've decided to repent when I get out of, out of sorts. 
I've decided that I will not beat up my congregation. I've decided to end my sermon so they can go home. I've decided to not get up here and beat you up for money. Challenge you to give, but I'm not doing that. If I'm wrong, I get it wrong, I just tell you. Hey, I missed that one, guys. What are you going to decide to do? Father, help us today. It's about coming to you and repenting and saying, okay, God, let's try this again. A house divided can't stand, so let's try this again. And Father, we bow to you today, and we thank you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I realize that I need to start a life with Jesus, and what you said spoke to me in all kind of ways, at all kind of levels. And I need to, I need to be in a relationship with God that's more mature than this. I need to surrender my life to you. I need God in my life. If you're here and you say that's the prayer I need in my life, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I see two. I see three. I see four. Anybody else? Do I see you? Anybody else saying, I see you? Thank you. Anybody else saying, pray for me, Pastor? Pray for me. I see you and you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to start a life. I need, I see what you're saying. Put your hand up and put it right back down. That'll be fine. Thank you. I see you, sister. I see you. Father, I pray for these who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts, both home and here. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them, a day when they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Some would say, I've never given my life to Jesus. Some are saying, I really, really, really need to get my life back in alignment with you. And so, Father, we commit to you today. We surrender to you today. And we thank you for this courageous conversation. And may we leave here with a courageous plan to serve you. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for letting me share with you. I pray that what I said has helped you. I want to encourage you, if you would, please, if you raised your hand a moment ago, or if you did not raise your hand.